0: listening dog media this podcast
1: is part of the sports social podcast network
0: the offside rule with Lindsay Heaper and Natasha Dowie, promoting women's football since 2013 Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Offside Rule as we reflect on three standout matches from women's football over the weekend, if they can be from home or abroad. In the spotlight this week sees us discuss switching allegiances with London City Lioness's player Lois Joel. And once again, Tash has identified one for the future in her scouting report that will come at the end of the show. But full disclosure, Tash, what have you <laughs> got
1: and done again? <laughs> I tell you what, all I'm saying is there is some major talent in midfield at the moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I set at the task last week. I said, OK, we can't have midfielders every week. And she sent me a message going, just just another one this week, if that's OK. So, yeah, we have another midfield maestro to bring you later on, courtesy of Natasha Dowie. Um, but we will be covering other areas of the pitch throughout the season. Mm-hmm. She does assure me, don't promise. you, Promise. I promise. Mm. Next week, promise so how, you. So how was your weekend? Because what, yeah. I was at a gig last night. I I was recording lots of um, football to catch up on this morning and you were on the women's football show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spotted that. I think you'd done a plug that you were on it. And I thought, oh, I'll get to watch that in the morning. But, you know, I was at a gig and I bet you don't even know the artist that I'm talking about, but hopefully people listening will also like this person. Lady Hawk... I'm getting blank Absolutely. faces we've got a producer no. in the background as well I'll get yeah. blank Absolutely faces not. what kind Lady of vibe Hawk. is this I suppose it would sort of come under the Indian un- umbrella okay. it's a, a bit electro um she plays okay. loads of instruments so drums guitar um there's definitely some synthesization in there as well at times okay. are you a, a bit word. of a raver? <laughs> no. no, I'm not a rover. I used to be, I used to be an indie kid. So in a former life, I used to be a gig reviewer. I used to be a music presenter. Um, in a former life, I was really into nice. going to gigs. And in particular, those sorts of bands that you'd never heard of. And famously, I handed before they got famous, I handed a CD, an album of Biffy Clyro to some friends and said, these are going to be massive. They're really, really good wow. before they went anywhere. Um, and they always remind me of that. And then I, I saw Coldplay when I was a student doing a student union circuit. Um, so I saw a lot of big bands before they got big. Once upon That's a time. Cool. Anyway. That's cool. <laughs> but they were. it was brilliant just to go out and, and just to sample that atmosphere again. And there's always crazy characters at gigs. But what were you
1: doing at, um, over the weekend apart from working? Well, I was committed to the pod, Lindsay. I was getting my football in. No, I, was at, I was at Brentford on Saturday um, watching the boys win um, comfortably. Yeah, really good game for for the Reds and then headed to then Liverpool versus Brighton women. Again, another three points for the Reds. So great weekend overall. And then, yeah, did the women's football show last night. So I am ready for this. I've got all my information I need. I've been doing some good scouting for you. A mention for Kerry Holland, who scored and got sent off. Mm. Then in the game that you were at, I mean,
0: that's not one of our standout games from the weekend. Um, But rightly, a point was made that Liverpool are probably the best place to try and catch the the top three at the moment. When you think that Man United were meant to be that team, and we will cover that result. So let's go on to our standout games from the week. The offside rule. Promoting women's football since 2013. Tash, first up then, you are going with that Man United result at the Emirates Stadium. Arsenal 3,
1: Man United 1. Why have you gone for this? I think I've got to give a shout-out firstly to the Leicester Bristol. Just a quick shout-out, seven-goal thriller, but it had to be Arsenal United. Firstly, for me, the record crowd. You know, over 60,000 at the Emirates. I think hats off to Arsenal. The way they do it, they do it the best. And I think people need to learn from them, you know, find out what they do because, you know, that's really impressive. It was obviously third versus fourth. I wanted to see, you know, could United stay with that pack of three? And sadly, in my opinion, they can't. But, Lynch, you know what? I'm going to put it out there. I think maybe a few of the Arsenal players heard our pod and maybe heard me say that Arsenal (laughs) are out of the title race. You know, it's over. Because their reaction, they proved me wrong. They are definitely in this title race still. They are. I was going to pick you up on this. They are three <laughs> points off. 3-0 <laughs> up at half-time, I think. It was impressive. I think the the big thing for me is it's actually not how good Arsenal were. is What's gone wrong at United this season? You know, why why are they so far off? You know, from being title challengers last year, getting to the last game of the season with Chelsea... You know, they're in my opinion, and I know I said it last week against Arsenal. I don't think top three is doable now for them. I think in I think the top three is done. You know, for for Champions League. But if you look at Liverpool between Liverpool and United last year, there was thirty three points. This year, there's two you know and, and i can go into maybe why I, why i think or what's happened at united but yeah look we can go into that if you want to talk about that we can but for me the whole occasion of the game was brilliant i think arsenal were on fire massive performance mm. and the summer for united has to be big because if not i think you know that top 3 are just going to really get further and further away from yeah, that mid table pack
0: well, a couple of things to pick up on, because you talked about Arsenal and how well they, they're filling these stadiums mm-hmm. for the home games when it, when they're at the Emirates Stadium. I mean, 60,000 plus is, is unbelievable. It's unreal. But I really hope for the good of the game that they don't mind sharing that information. You, you said, you know, what are they doing? And I mm-hmm. think it's an unusual spot because usually you see other teams and their income and what they can spend on players as a, as a rivalry and you don't want to be giving away the trade secrets, but for the greater good of the game and the fact that the league could level out somewhat because otherwise it could end up being really topsy turvy. We had 900 at Everton over the Mm -hmm. weekend. I think really they should hopefully be spreading the word of what they're doing and how they're doing it at Man United. I thought in this game, so I'll take this game and then I'm going to come on and and pin you down to ask you why you think they're not doing Mm -hmm. what they did last season. But in this game, I thought that defensively they were, were brittle, naive and made mistakes. And I thought this was one of those games that highlighted how much they miss on a badger. Because she used to mm-hmm. not only provide so much in attack, but she would track back in in, a, in an unbelievable way. She would make those last ditch tackles. And also, I think it was her presence in that bat line that gave others around her the confidence because she was world class. I mean, it was, they let a world class player go. And I don't think we can ignore that. And we shouldn't. We shouldn't be just move, be moving on because she's moved on. I think in the same way that once upon a time in the men's game, I think Xabi Alonso when he left Liverpool left a huge gap behind. As an example, mm-hmm. I remember thinking that when I was growing up. And there are certain players when they leave, they are very difficult to replace. And a lot of the fan base knew that. But I thought this was a game, you know, against a big team that showed her quality was missing.
1: Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think that's, I was going to say, my points, I think there's many a things with United this season. I think Bagier and Russo are the two, two players for me. They're two best players. So when you lose your two best players straight away, you've got a big hole to fill. I think recruitment-wise and mm. retention has been their biggest problem. I think if you look at some of the players they brought in on paper and on the international international scene, their big names, Mallard, Jays, you know, those two in particular. Jays, for me, one goal, Lindsay. One goal this season for Man United. It's That, to me, is is something that... And it's no disrespect to her. You know, she's she's an honest player. You know, she's a talented player, but you've got to be scoring more than that if you're at Man United at a top club. Mallard, four goals. You know, I go through the list. Williams, Rachel Williams, and she's someone that, she's not a starter. They throw her on to try and save games most of the time. She's got four goals. Ella Toon, three. Mm-hmm. You know, Gus, Galton, one. Really, except for Paris, who, to be fair, like we spoke about her last week, you know, is in a purple patch at the moment with eight goals. It's not enough, you know, when you look at the likes of them big hitters, you know, the Bunny Shores, the Lauren James, Arsenal spread the goals around, you know, so I think that's massive. I think the talk on Earps, is she staying, is she going, every transfer window, that I think that's been a distraction that truthfully has had an effect on the pitch. Um, and, you know, Mark Skinnery says about they've got to be realistic and... Maybe they overachieved last year and this and that. But this is Man United. You know, when, when you're competing for the title last season and people people are going to have high expectations. So, you know, for, for them, they had to kick on and they haven't this year. So whether or not this season will be, you know, that kind of wake-up call where actually, okay, this summer has to be huge. Um, but yeah, for me, those top three right now are on a different level to everyone else. Um, and it's now whether or not, you know, that the other kind of mid-table teams can invest this summer to stay with the pack or whether we're going to have a real divide now uh, moving forward. Mm. Well, the three that they're wanting to catch
0: and disrupt, for want of another word, are Chelsea, Man City and Arsenal. And the one thing you can say about all three of those clubs is that the investment seeps in throughout behind the scenes it's it's in the training ground it's in the player care it's it it's around everything the investment in the marketing in the commercialization and I wonder whether the investment at Man United actually goes as deep I wonder if it if it was some sort of expandable foam whether it's going into those areas and those those other cracks sure. where I think it is with the, those top three teams so there might still be work for Man United to do there in terms of investment and how they help progress the women's game even further mm-hmm. it isn't just about a head of recruitment and buying certain players and letting others go it, it's about more than that isn't it so um we will see how that transpires over the the course of this season and going into next but I do wonder if Liverpool actually are better placed to be the next team to disrupt because of that because they've got Melwood they've been given Melwood yes, to go and train and so. it's all these little things <laughs> that you think yeah, well, I know you'll hope so. i get to have a little <laughs> gloat about my team as well later, so I'll do that too. Um, my choice from the championship in terms of results, Sunderland 4, Lewis 3. Seven goals in this, and it was a result that saw Sunderland go back to the top of the championship, albeit Crystal Palace do have a game in hand over them. But wow, I mean, in terms of ebbs and flow, <laughs> th- this was ridiculous. There were a few things I wanted to pick up on in this match. So actually, 2-1 up, um, this to go 2-1 up, then go 3-2 down and then win 4-3. There were two goals by Jenna Deer for Sunderland in the 95th and 97th minute of this game. And sometimes you need that player that just takes the game by the scruff of the neck and says, no, we are not defeated. Watch this. Um, and actually it was interesting in this one because Jenna Deer had had a really, really good shot. I, I don't know whether it had been saved or whether she'd hit the post now off memory because I, I watched this over 20, well, it was in the last 20 hours. Um, But I know that she'd gone close and there are other players that you think, oh, their head might drop. They might not still go Mm. for that in the same way that they did, but she did. And set pieces proved brilliant for
1: Sunderland as well. Do you know what as well? It's funny because Becky's actually um, a shareholder in the club. So do you know how Lewis is basically run through the fans. Yes. You know. So Becky invests yeah. in Lewis. So she's like she's really invested in the club. And every week she will message me devastated because this is this is actually quite an a reoccurring theme with Lewis. You know, they concede late goals, you know, and and heartbreak and it's something that has happened throughout the season and and you feel for them. And especially like you said, two late goals. And Jenna Deere, you know, when I saw that name pop up, you know, that's obviously I played with Jenna in Valerenga in Norway. You know, she's a player that, you know, back in the day were, you know, was involved with the youth set up and at Everton. So she's got a lot of experience playing in England and, and she's she's a great player. She's always been technically good and when I saw the goals back, you know, they were great finishes. Um, so they've obviously done really well, Sunderland, mm-hmm. to, to recruit someone of her standard but I do feel so sorry for Lewis. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? And, you know, they could have got yeah. off the bottom of the table but they need to focus on training, on seeing games out. You know, they need to get that in their training scheme well that was the contrast here because it was a late rally there was
0: brilliant togetherness from Sunderland in that in that final period at the same time that I felt Lewis were retreating and they were going further and further back and it has to be brave doesn't it to be able to hold that position I will speak to you about their goal though they did score the best goal of this game it was Rihanna Blades it was the third one for Lewis an unbelievable finish and the angle was so tight and I wondered from a striking
1: point of view have you seen it yeah, I have ran down the right wing just and literally, just literally the pace of the girl as well. So she's on loan from Chelsea. Am I correct in saying that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So she's literally gone down the right wing, really positive. I'm thinking it's not on to shoot here. You know, she's got to obviously cross. But no, that's not in her head whatsoever. She has struck it so cleanly. I think it actually caught the keeper off guard and it went literally top, right near post. Top of the net, you know, great, great finish. So again, you know, a real coup for them to have someone like her in the team and um, someone that looks full of confidence. And as a striker, you know, there's no better feeling than when you score a goal like that. Mm. Um, For our third pick
0: from the weekend. Now, in previous Mm. episodes, we've covered Italy, you've covered games in France.
1: What have you gone for this time? Yeah, I'm doing the rounds. This one was a bit more foreign to me because I haven't played in this country before. Um, So it's the Scottish League, you know, Rangers versus Celtic. And this is kind of, it's a big game, isn't it? You know, I think when you look at the Scottish League, it's Rangers, Celtic and Glasgow. And and let's be honest, then you're probably then struggling with teams. It's them three that are always fighting for the title. And what actually intrigued me more about this is one of my ex-teammates, Joe Potter, is obviously the, the manager at Rangers, played with her at England. England and at Charlton and at Everton, great midfield player, brilliant, brilliant player. Um, and also, the manager for the Celtic um, team is Elena Saduku. So she actually used to play as well. I played against her in Sweden. She was at Rosengard, Christianstad Played for Sweden and had to retire when she was 23 due to injury. So to have two, you know, ex-pros female coaches as well, which we touched on last week, which is really cool. Um, first v mm. second, you know, and it, it was a good game and it was interesting as well because Tash Flint, who was at Liverpool, has gone on loan back to Celtic to get more game time and she obviously got the first goal um, which to put uh, Celtic 1-0 up, but Rangers um, got the equaliser so it ended up one-one. Probably a good point more for Rangers uh, because obviously they've got that little gap oh, now. I think sure. it's a f- yeah four gap goal, four points, which is you know that's a good gap. Um, yeah, but I think I actually spoke to Joe Potter today just to get her feedback on the game and how she thought it went. And she actually truthfully said she thought it was a fair result, could have gone either way. They had chances at the end. They did. They've had a lot of injuries recently, so she's happy with how they've come through this period. Um, but yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant to see people like your Tash Flints, your Rachel Rose, people that have obviously played in England now going over to that league and and will hopefully grow that league as well. Yeah, and we've, we've talked about that migration and players going for
0: opportunities in other leagues. That has to be one now. Is Scotland could be a bit more of a destination for some of these players. Um, I looked at it when you said that you thought you might choose this before the weekend began. And I thought, well, it's a game that Rangers can afford to to draw or okay. even afford to lose but i think if they if they draw they're thinking brilliant I didn't think it was a game that Celtic could have afford to drop points in in the title race. I think it would have been so good for them if they could have got three points. But um, I think Rangers will be happier, won't they, after the weekend. Yeah, They'll absolutely. feel like that cushion. They've got a bit of breathing space. Um, and we, we must also reflect on the title race in WSL because although we picked out Arsenal Man United, we didn't mention about City beating Chelsea. So very briefly, the, the title race there as well looks like it could go right down to the wire. It's made it more interesting for Chelsea to, to lose out on three points now has opened it up somewhat hasn't it
1: yeah it's exciting isn't it I, I've got to give a lot of credit to, to City as well we did touch on them last week but I've just been so impressed defensively with them this season um, and then we've, we know with City they've got goals they've got goals from everywhere they've got creative players and they've got Bunny Shaw, the top goal scorer at the moment. Um, but the pressure's on and I think credit to... You've got to give credit to Chelsea as well because to go on and win the league the way they have back-to-back, year-on-year, I know how hard that is. You know, we did it back-to-back with Liverpool but they've done it four times in a row now. So, yes, for the neutral, it's great to see the likes of your Man Cities and Arsenal's joining the party. Um, and I really do think it's going to go down to the wire. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the way Chelsea respond now, you know, after that defeat. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be tasty Uh, You know, bottom, not so much. I think Bristol, unfortunately, probably are there or thereabouts down. But top of the table, I really do think it's going to be a great end to the WSL season. Yeah, and I do think it's going to be a side
0: that has either got Ramirez or Shaw in it as long as they remain fit, that is going to win the title. I think Arsenal are going to come third, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's made it a hell of a lot more interesting. Um, and Bristol City, is, as, as you mentioned, very much cut adrift at the bottom. Uh, let's move on next to our In the Spotlight section, where this week we're chatting about switching allegiances. The Offside Rule. With Lindsay Heaper and Natasha Dowie. If you do go back in previous episodes, last week we spoke with Nicole Rolser about making that switch from being a player to now being general manager at Bayern Munich. So careers post football, I suppose we touch on that somewhat. And also in the very first episode of the series, if you go back, uh, we spoke to Mel Phyllis and Leah Williamson about the pathways to the first team and how that's getting more difficult, more loan moves are happening in the women's game. But this week, it is about switching allegiances. Lois Joel, plays for London City Lionesses and has recently announced that she's no longer going to be considered for England selection. She's chosen to play for Wales. Lois, we've got you on this week to discuss about switching allegiances. So fill us in on the decision that you've made recently.
2: Yeah, um, obviously super exciting time for me and my family. And um, my grandma was um, Welsh, partly Welsh, and she was born in Barrie. Um, So it was a thing that was on my mind for a while. Um, And I connected with originally Gemma Granger, who I'd worked with before, um, and then recently decided to just make the jump and switch. Um, And I'm super excited to go to camp on Friday. So, yeah, very exciting.
0: And that must have been a difficult decision. Were you weighing up for a long time whether you were to do this or not? Because I imagine with all the 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 progress that the lionesses have made in the last few years with your english heritage you might have thought oh one day i might get to be a lioness has it has it been a difficult decision to make um i think it was maybe difficult at the start but i went on camp and i met some of the
2: girls and i spoke to um the staff more and after that it became a pretty easy decision for me um and yeah, I'm just super excited to be able to honour the Welsh part of my family, and my that side of the family is very excited. So yeah, it's, um. In the end, it wasn't too difficult.
1: Lois, I've got some inside scoop. I'm not going to tell you what, but I've I've been hearing a lot about you, and um, from inside the camp, it seems like Wales have been after you for a, a while now. So is it nice to kind of be headhunted and to to feel wanted?
2: Yeah, exactly. They, um, like I said before, I knew. Um, The old coach Gemma Granger, who just left, Um, and we were in contact for a while, um, but I didn't want to make the decision too quickly, and Mm. I just wanted to think about it and make sure I was like completely ready to make the switch, Um, because that's I think the most respectful thing to do for the Welsh team, and it'd be now I'm at the place where I'm fully ready to give everything for Wales, and it's going to be a great honour when I go to camp, and yeah, I'm just excited to kick on with them really. Just
1: to warn you, they are wild. <laughs> they are. They're crazy. Um, Honestly, cash, when I was at re, when I was at Reading, well. yeah, when I was at Reading, Rachel Rowe, Gemma Evans, you know, Jess Fishlock, <laughs> there's so many of them, Lily Woodham. So I mean you're prepared, you've met them yeah. all, but yeah, good luck there. <laughs> 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 Um, Yeah, I was going to ask you about how easy it is to make
0: the switch, Lois. Is it a case of if you haven't made a senior appearance, then you are eligible and you can do that pretty easily, even if you've played at the under levels?
2: Yeah, as far as I know, as long as you haven't played minutes um, at the senior level, um, you can make the switch. um, And then it's pretty easy with the paperwork following that, I think, yeah.
0: A huge thank you to Lois for joining us for that discussion. Really interesting, actually, Tash. I I think that will rumble on. I think we'll hear more. And there's other examples that I think we can share. Uh, We were speaking between ourselves about switching allegiances about, do you remember when there was that group that all decided that they were going to go and play for Jamaica? So Drew Spence, Becky Spencer, we discussed about that. Um, There must be so many that you know from your career that did make that choice.
1: Yeah, I think off the top of my head, more so recently when I was playing at Reading, Chloe Pepplo, young midfield player, had been involved with England in the in the youth um, ages, but kind of was obviously had a Scottish background, so was thinking of maybe dipping into maybe going with Scotland, and I think the thing with England is. You know, England's the pinnacle. You know, let's be honest. They they qualify for major tournaments. When you're in the kind of under 23s, you're hoping that's your next step. You know, so I think a lot of those players are kind of waiting, hoping that they get that senior call. But it's getting harder and harder now, Lindsay. And I think if we're going, going to be completely honest, there is going to be more players that do tend to do this now, switch allegiances. And I and I see it a lot more now, players going to play for Northern Ireland or Republic of Ireland or Scotland or Wales because they know they're going to get more game time. And some of these countries have qualified for major tournaments. So um, I think, yeah, watch this space. But I think it's going to be happening a lot more. I guess there's a warning there, though, as well, that if the home nations,
0: if there are areas they're short in, then it's very clever, isn't it, to use this scouting network to be able to identify people's heritage, if you like, and whether they might be able to make that switch somehow. But what you don't want to do either is ignore the countries that that are there that, and all the players that are right in front of them. So I suppose if it, if it happened more and more and more, you might see... Welsh players saying actually you know we don't want any more might be the same in Scotland I think it's just a
1: fine delicate balance at times um, yeah. trying to no, keep everybody No, I think, I think it's important I think you know like I said Becky my partner she's involved with the Welsh national team as a scout and I think their pool is very small you know so they're probably their hardest task really is actually finding new players you know and I think if you look at the Welsh national team it mm-hmm. has been a very similar squad for the last real decade so that's probably why the likes of Lois, you know, going out, trying to find these players that maybe have, you know, a grandparent. And it's hard. It's, there's not many out there. And I know that from, from seeing the work that Becky has to do. Um, so I do think it is important, you know, that they have that kind of scout and recruiting set up and network so that these maybe not smaller nations, but nations that don't have as big a pool as England still have a chance to compete and make these major tournaments. I think in a
0: future week we will take a closer look at the setup in Wales and I know for a fact that I think there's there's only one player in the senior Welsh side that plays in Wales. All of the others play outside Wales. I just would love to know about the fabric of the Welsh mm. leagues and how they've improved post-success post of the women's game growing. Um, so we'll make sure that we cover that off in a future episode. Uh, it is, though, the end of the show, which means that we've got your scouting report. Um, we know it's a midfielder.
1: <laughs> I've been told that they're a Swiss midfielder. They play for FC Luzerne. Uh, give us yes. all the details. Yeah, look, you can smack my hand, but this is one that I had to talk about. So, yeah, we've done Italy, we've done Dutch, we've done, and now we've got Swiss um, for you. And actually, it was through, I'm going to test you, see if you remember this name, David Edmondson. Yes, I do know that. Was he, was he an assistant, was he an assistant coach somewhere, like? He was the head coach of Bristol when they made Champions League, if oh, you remember. Oh, head coach. Yes. Right, yeah. okay. okay. And yeah, he yeah, was yeah. my coach yeah. also in Australia for Melbourne Victory. So he's the coach that took me over for my, my first stint in Australia. So I owe a lot to, to Dave. You know, he's a, he's a top guy. And now <laughs> well, he's I, obviously... Well, I owe him an yeah. apology because <laughs> I made him an assistant coach rather than head coach. But yes, head coach, okay. Yeah, so he's um, he actually gave me the inside scoop on this player. I said, Dave, you've got to know, you know, some up and coming superstars. And he said, this is the one to watch out. You know, she's 18, just turned 18. She is a midfield player, but she recently got called up to the senior Swiss team um, by Pierre Sundhag, which we all know. We all know very well. But he just said every game she's running 11K. She's a machine, physically strong, technically really good. Almost, he's saying the next Leah Walty, but would be great as a pairing with her because he sees Leah Walty more as a holding mid. He believes that Leah Kamba is more of a box-to-box, a bit more of a physical player. So, yeah, I was just super excited about sharing the news on this one because she is a bit of an unknown, but I do feel now that she's got that first senior call, she's going to explode on the international stage. Oh, you left us hanging there for a bit. So, Leah Kamba. um, So,
0: actually... Probably quite similar to Leah Valti. <laughs> they yeah, have two Leas yeah. <laughs> in midfield alongside each other. Um, so Leah Camber wants to watch. 18 years old and hasn't made a huge move yet. You know, last week when we were chatting, mm-hmm. we were already yeah. talking about talent that had been identified by Barcelona. But this one, mm-hmm. Tash, this is a real scoop because maybe is. Leah could end up at a WSL team. Mm, Okay. Thank you very much for that. Thank you for this week. We'll be back for the mailbag on Friday, answering some questions from our listeners. In the meantime, give us a like, a follow, wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five star rating if you don't mind, and leave a review. It really does help other people find us. And you can also give us a follow on social media channels. We're across TikTok, Instagram, and X, formerly known as Twitter, at Offside Rule Pod. The Offside Rule. This is a listening dog media production. Sports Social Podcast Network.